This is episode 30 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Lindsay Ward. Our jobs can be so, so challenging, um, especially for other people to understand. Um, I have a little thing here. People often say, how was your day? And it can be hard to give an answer like, it was a good day, because a good day doesn't necessarily mean good things happened. People are expressing themselves, and we're supporting them, but those experiences can be really challenging for someone. So maybe the experience was very emotional, or they expressed through anger, and that that maybe just means that they're they're growing and they're learning. So that can be super huge, but does that mean it was a good day? So it sometimes can be hard to explain to other people. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Lindsay Ward, who is a young entrepreneur in Canada. We talk all about her journey, starting her business right out of internship, some things she's learned along the way, and her advice for doing interviews when you're trying to get contracts, trying to get some business going. She has great tips for what to do, what to prepare, what to bring, things like that. And she also has some really great interventions ideas and props to use in sessions. So listen all the way to the end of the episode to get those. They'll be linked in the show notes. If you are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so that the shows are automatically downloaded to your listening device when they go live. Also consider leaving us a review on iTunes. The reviews are so appreciated and help this podcast be more visible for people trying to find this content. More and more, I'm finding that High school students or professionals who are looking to change their career reach out to me or find the podcast uh, and are looking for more information. So having this resource be more visible for them to them would be awesome so they can find it on their own. Also, please consider joining our group on Facebook, checking us out on social media. We are at Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you so much to those supporting us on Patreon. That is appreciated from the bottom of my heart. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, please consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And this is a very exciting time in your life because you just got married. That's right. It's very exciting. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Congratulations from all of us and our listeners. I know we're congratulating you in the background in the future. Yes, (laughs) I can hear the round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> awesome. So to start us off, will you tell us about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Lindsay. I was born and raised in Ottawa, Canada. Um, my family was always very musical. My mom is a classically trained piano player, and she can basically pick up any instrument. Um, and my grandma is always in the choir. So that side of the family is very musical. Um, there's a, a running joke that I was came out of the womb singing. So <laughs> as soon as I started to sing, my parents were like, let's put her in choirs because she's singing all the time. So when I was in grade two, I was asked by my teacher to sing at her wedding, but she wanted one specific song and it was Ave Maria in Latin. So I was like, wow, I really need to learn how to sing now and I need to learn Latin. So um, I had my first singing teacher, my very first one-on-one lesson when I was in grade two. And from there, I started to sing in competitions, um, just did a lot of different singing stuff. And then in grade eight, I had to decide if I was going to continue with the regular school or go into a performing arts high school. And so I had decided to audition and I got in. So um, we sang every day. We did either theory, history or performance. So that's what we did for school. And then in grade 12, we had to do a project on um, schools in across America, North America that um, had music programs. It's one of our classmates did one about Acadia and their music therapy program. And I was so intrigued. I went home after school and I was like, what is music therapy? Show me more, show me more. <laughs> um, so I applied to Acadia and I got in and I was so in love with the moment I like got to Nova Scotia. It's right on the ocean. It's incredibly beautiful. So I planted here and I was there for four years and then I did my internship in PEI um, and it was a very well-rounded practice there. We got to work with so many different populations, which really helped to broaden my scope of practice. Um, And my husband now, (laughs) but boyfriend at the time, was very established here in Nova Scotia. So I always knew that I was going to come back. But there's not a lot of music therapists around. So I was like, well, the only option really is to start my own business. And so that's what I did. (laughs) Wow. And so you did that early on. I really did. Yeah. So what was that like coming straight out of your internship and then being thrust into being your own boss, getting your own clients, being your own supervisor, everything? Everything. Yeah, it was so challenging. Definitely a learning curve, something that I obviously had never done before. Um, I knew that I wasn't an accountant and I wasn't a graphic designer and I wasn't a business owner up to that point. So there was a lot of things that I really didn't know and I had to learn. So um, I started to join a young business leaders group through the Chamber of Commerce and they were really helpful with getting connected and me seeing other young entrepreneurs that were super successful in my community and then learning some strategies and like advice that they had used in their businesses that made them successful. But even now I'm always asking questions, looking to my peers and other music therapists, but also just other business owners on how I can be better for my clients and for my business. What are some of the biggest lessons you learned from talking with people in that group? Mm, I think um, one of the hugest things I've ever learned was to always ask for help. I feel like my circle of my community is so supportive and they encourage me so much. And if I didn't have that, I would always be second guessing myself. Am I doing this right? Is this good? But I have people there who encourage me and support me along the way, which makes it so much easier. Yeah, it's awesome that you found that support system and also... Mm -hmm. um, 
helping each other learn the things, but they're also your mentors. So that's that's awesome that you found that really yeah. early on. Mm, yeah, it's been really amazing to have a good supportive community. What has been your experience being a young entrepreneur? And I'm going to assume a profession that's not necessarily well known about where you are, considering mm-hmm. you are one of, or if the only music therapist, <laughs> what's it like balancing that? Yeah, so um, it's been it's been very hard um, when I first moved and I wanted to start my practice before I was even finished my internship. I was sending emails and making brochures and business cards so that when I got back, I could hit the ground running and try and get some contracts. Um, I remember when I got my very first contract and it was 45 minutes bi-weekly and I was like, this is the best thing ever, but it was experience and it gave me some tools and a place to go from. And it mean that meant that someone really believed in music therapy and believed in what we did, which was huge. Um, but it's hard. I think a lot of people look at me and they say, Hey, do you even know the music I know? Or how are you going to relate to these kind of people? But I think almost because I'm young um, and I'm fresh out of school and fresh out of my internship, all of that knowledge is so fresh and I'm still so keen to learn more, which has really been used to my advantage, I think. Yeah. So do you have a population you gravitate toward or are you still kind of taking whatever comes your way at this point? Yeah. So um, I work with a lot of different populations, but I'm sure that I don't work with individuals who are out of my scope of practice as well. So right now I made a little list of the kinds of people that I work with. So I do guardian and child attachment sessions. I work in long-term care, adults in vocational training programs, adults with varying developmental and physical disabilities in residential facilities, um, elementary, middle, and high schools in the learning center or the educational support program. Um, in palliative care, in addictions recovery, in mental health, and children and youth in care. Wow, you have a very wide range. In <laughs> it is, yeah, but I, I think I love that part of it. It brings so much variety to my work, keeps it really interesting and really fresh. Um, and I just love meeting all these new people too. Yeah, the first one intrigued me the most it was child hmm. and parent attachment. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I work in... Um, one of my local libraries and I provide community music therapy there and we do parent-child sessions and we work on attachment and bonding and and healthy relationships that you can build with your child through music therapy which has been so incredibly helpful to the people in our community who are new parents or maybe weren't expecting to have a child but to teach them tools that they can be very successful with. That's so beautiful. Mm. That must be very rewarding. It really is. I think all of my work can be extremely rewarding at times. So how did you go about starting a program like that at a library that's community based? Mm. Where did the funding come from? That seems like a very unique type of thing. to set up. <laughs> yeah, so I was looking for more work with children because a lot of what I do is with um, teens or adults or long term care, which is typically older adults, but I didn't have a lot of work with children. So I wanted to make a program that would provide that experience for me. So um, I decided to come up with a program that would be a community based, but I needed a location to host it at because I have a home office. (laughs) So um, I went to the local library and I kind of pitched the idea to them and they were super supportive. They have a lot of private donations that come through the door. So the private donations actually fund the sessions, which makes it free for the community to attend. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
Yeah, it's been a really incredible experience. Yeah. So tell us about other experiences you've had um, and maybe challenges you've faced in Mm -hmm. opening your business and doing all that. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think I have really learned a lot about what being my own business owner, being my own contractor, being my own employee. (laughs) Um, I think that um, the, the interventions that I've used and the people that I've worked with have been really crucial to building my business. Um, each contract that I have now, there wasn't a music therapy position available. It was just going out into the world and advocating for music therapy. Um, and it's, it's a challenge. It's super hard to work it from the ground up, but, um, I I think it's really amazing. It can be, um, super rewarding and you meet so many unique people and it really feels like you're making a difference. Yeah. So this might be a tough question, but how many times <laughs> did you get the answer? No. Like how, was, um, how did you go through that? Yeah, I think it, yeah. So what I kind of think of when I think of working in a rural community is that a lot of the organizations are a lot smaller than if you were to live in a city. Sometimes they're home businesses or they're, there's just a few employees. It can be really small. Um, so I, I do hear a lot of no's that can be common, but I try to find a way that we can provide music therapy, whether it's within their budget or not, whether that's alternative funding or looking for a grant, um, because I want music therapy to be really accessible for my community. I want everyone to benefit. So I have to try and find ways that will work for everyone so that people can have access. What are some of the avenues you've found? I'm not familiar with yeah. the Canadian, say, medical support or funding yeah. or grants or any of that. <laughs> so um, where I am, we don't have coverage through, like, our medical insurance. Um, some music therapists do if they are also a registered counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done a lot of grants for my clients. Sometimes that's through organizations that are specific to their diagnosis or their disability, which um, they would provide a certain amount of money per year for an individual organization that would help to fund music therapy for them. Sometimes there are recreation scholarships that we can use towards music therapy. Sometimes there's government grants or art grants. There can be a lot of different avenues, um, but some of those have really worked well for me. Mm. Have you done any of the grant writing yourself? A few of the organizations have helped me write the grants. Um, Typically, it can be sometimes hard to be honest because some of the grants are for nonprofits, which I am not. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have to work around that sometimes to find a way that we can make music therapy accessible. Um, Usually I have to write a letter of support for the grant or um, contribute something to the grant. But most of the times the organization tends to write it. That's really convenient. And one yeah. less thing you had to learn right away. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So tell us about being a music therapist in a rural area, what that's mm-hmm. been like for you. Yeah. So um, I always hear about music therapists that work full time at a facility or part time somewhere. And I am so honored to share a profession with those people. Um, but as someone who lives in a rural area, uh, there isn't the scale for anyone to really have a full-time or part-time job. And so this results in me having a larger amount of contracts. 
So these contracts occur weekly or biweekly, monthly for a few hours here and there. So it's very scattered. Um, and then as I work in a rural area, it's important to know that the communities are extremely spread out. So I travel far and wide. So I typically, like I can spend up to an hour and a half driving one way to see a client. Um, but I typically spend at least 10 hours in the car each week. But this is a great opportunity to listen to some podcasts <laughs> or um, learn a new song. But I just love singing out loud as loud as I can and also gives me some time to reflect on the day. Yeah, um, when I I am a contracted music therapist and my first year out, I was driving I don't know if, how familiar you are with miles, but I was driving about 500 plus miles a week. Yeah. So I totally feel, I totally understand being in the car, lots <laughs> of driving, lots of time to yourself. Yeah, it's totally different than what I was doing in my internship where everything was 15 minutes away um, or you were working at a facility for quite a few hours during the day. But it's, I kind of love it. I love driving, so it's not too bad for me. Awesome. Do you have any recommended things to listen to while you're in the car? Mm, well, I'm a big playlister, so I make a lot of playlists. So in the mornings, I come up with like a calm playlist, something to get me ready. And then in the afternoons, um, I usually try and have something that's a little more thought-provoking, um, listen to some podcasts then. And then on the way home, I usually have like a rock out song that gets me like hyped up. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It's kind of mm -hmm. like you're... Um... When you plan a session, you think of the energy, like the flow of energy and where the height, and height is and all that. So you've done that in your day, which is really cool. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so are there a lot of other music therapists in your area? Are there any other music therapists in your area? Yeah. So um, I live about an hour and a half from Halifax, which is like the big city in Nova Scotia. And there, there's actually quite a few music therapists, I would say, maybe like 15. So there's quite a few in Halifax. Um, and in the Valley, where I live, there's Acadia, which is the university. So there's a few music therapists that work at school. And besides those people, because they, they do practicums, but most of them don't have outside clients because they're working full time as a professor. Um, I would say there's maybe three music therapists, including me. So... Two of them um, do contracts. One of them's also a counselor, so they do a lot of counseling. And then just me, me in the valley. <laughs> yeah. So are you all kind of doing your own thing? You're all doing your own private practice? and Yeah, so I travel um, further than most would. Um, I travel basically to the far end of Nova Scotia. Um, a lot of other people pr would prefer to stay local. So in the communities that I work in now, I'm the only music therapist in those communities. Yeah. So, so it sounds like even though you are kind of isolated in what you're doing, there are support systems around you that you can tap into. Definitely. I think I've had to create my support systems on my own. So they're not necessarily music therapists that are part of my support system, although there are many around. And um, I am part of the Atlantic Association of Music Therapists. So I work with them. Um, and that's a good community for me as well. And I have also my peers from university that I'm still very close to. 
But my community includes counselors and social workers um, and just anyone in my community who does something similar to me that I can reflect from and learn from and grow with. I think those people have been huge for me because I work in such different communities. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot to balance our case or a caseload and our scope of practice and trying to be all these different people in one person. Exactly. It's good to have those resources. Yeah, I think having multiple circles and support systems can be super beneficial to everyone's practice. Yeah. This is another thought that had crossed my mind when you were talking about driving and everything. How often does your caseload change? You know, are these contracts Mm -hmm. more short term? Do you have most of them for a year? How often is that shifting? So um, it kind of depends. So when I work for an organization, if their organization has a lot of turnover, then they'll typically keep me on indefinitely. So um, the contracts don't necessarily have an end date, but each year we, we refresh and take a look at how is it working? What do we need to improve on or change? Um, and then my one-to-one clients, we, we work together until music therapy is no longer required, which is always the goal, is that they've achieved something wonderful and then they can move on and use the skills that they've learned. Um, and then for my community music therapy events, those we reevaluate and work on as time goes. So we do those typically um, in chunks, like seasonal chunks. So we do fall, winter, spring, summer. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes things... Um keeps things moving, keeps things fresh, I guess, for you. Exactly. Yeah. It's good to have a little movement in my schedule. Yeah. So you also wanted to touch on interviews. Yeah. Yeah. So over the past little while, I've done so, so many interviews. And I interview with organizations who sometimes have no idea what music therapy is, or some that are interested, but maybe don't know too much. So, um, I thought I could contribute a few ideas about interviews that have worked for me. So I have three kind of segments. The first one is about preparing for the interview. And these are just a few things that I do. So I'm sure to have everything planned in advance and it's all on my desk the night before. And this ensures that I can have a good night's sleep and not focus on the interview tomorrow, but just rest and really be prepared. And one of the things that's often forgotten is directions. (laughs) So it's very important to know where you're going, how to get there, if there's any roadblocks along the way, (laughs) it's important to check that out. Um, Another thing that I've known to be really helpful is to have researched the organization in advance. Um, This helps to ensure that our values and goals and mission statements align with each other so that our work can be beneficial and can really be effective for our clients. And also some organizations will ask you questions about like, does your mission statement align with ours or what are your goals and how do those affect our clients? Can I pause Um, you for a sec? How did you define your mission statement? How did you get to that? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how I got there. It was, I think a lot of soul searching. Um, I was sure to know that I have a client-centered practice. Um, I bring in a lot of different ideas, and I want my environment for my clients to be really safe and secure, but also open that they can express themselves as creatively as they'd like. So I think like really going through all that made it clear of what I wanted in my mis- mission statement. Yeah, awesome. Thank yeah. you. No problem. Um, and then I also am sure to be early enough, up early enough to be prepared and look awake, eat some breakfast, 
and also feel confident. So one kind of funny thing about me is that um, I think it's important to dress confidently, feel confident in, in yourself. And as music therapists, we are so lucky that we can dress creatively and be as fun as we want. So I'm known as the lady who wears fun pants. So uh-huh. I always wear funny pants, colored pants, or polka dot pants. So it's just a fun little thing that I do to feel confident. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had some ideas about when I arrive at the interview So when I arrive, I always greet everyone I see, greet the receptionist, greet the interviewer, and everyone else you might see, even that's with a smile or saying hello. I think that can be huge because you are helping to foster a certain culture when you arrive, um, and you want that culture to be something that you want to step into as well. Um, Always shake their hand and look them in the eye and say, so nice to meet you, and thank you for taking the time to spend with me. And say your name. Like, this is their very first real impression of you. They might have read your resume or looked at your website or seen your brochure, but this is your real first impression. Um, And I always send a follow-up email afterwards thanking them for their time, but I also try to add something personal in there. So maybe during the interview you talked about, oh, the snow's coming and I love to snowshoe. So maybe that's a conversation that you put in there at the end. This shows that you're eager and you're interested, but also that you are listening and you're attentive, which is a good quality to have as someone who's going to work at their organization. And then some materials that I bring with me, I bring quite a few things. So some people might think this is too much, and that's totally fine. I've just found that this is what's worked for me. So I always bring a few business cards and a few brochures. I always bring at least two resumes, but I actually usually bring um, my CV, which is more than a resume, so your resume might have a few details of your work experience, but your CV would include maybe places you've been a lecturer or um, trainings you've taken, certifications, things like that. Um, and I bring usually bring a few because typically there's more than one person in the interview, so you'd like them all to have materials to look at. For certain organizations, if they're unfamiliar with music therapy, um, I'll bring a music therapy information sheet. So this would include... Um, sources or resources that have information on um, a certain individual organization, like a similar population to the people who I'd be working with there. So like a peer-reviewed article that you would see in school. So I type out APA and then just a short little paragraph on what the findings are. So maybe it's interventions that were used, maybe it's a drum circle, um, or maybe it's the results of a study that were really effective. And then I bring a copy of the client consent forms in case they're keen to start music therapy in the near future (laughs) or they want them to talk over with maybe someone else in their organization or a family member, social worker. Um, And I bring this all in a file folder. Some places you might go to may be disorganized. And so this helps to make sure all of the information is in a very clear place that they can find it. Um, It helps it to be very tangible for them. And then it's always a constant reminder about music therapy too. And they know where it is to look back on. Um, I usually bring my guitar as well, just in case they want to hear a little song. (laughs) Um, And then just a notebook and pen in case I have any questions or want to write something down. But I've really realized that Coming prepared to interviews demonstrates my professionalism, um, my interest in their organization, and also my knowledge about music therapy. Yeah, that is, I don't want to say a lot of stuff to bring, but that (laughs) is a well-rounded list of things to bring. So anything that can come up 
in the interview. And like you said, there's probably going to be more than one person. They have that to reference. They can take notes on it to look back on later. They know you've done your work. They know you're excited about whatever population it is or um, the people you're going to be working with. That's really awesome. Yeah, I think it's been super beneficial. And then people in the future, um, if they are interested, then they have some brochures that they might hang up on a bulletin board or some business cards that they can pass out to family members or friends. Um, That's been super beneficial in working in a small community where a lot of things happen by word of mouth. Yeah, definitely. So how many contracts have you gotten kind of through that word of mouth or maybe you've been at an interview and all of a sudden the next day someone says I saw you at this location (laughs) I know about this location something like that um I would say probably half of my contracts are word of mouth so I currently have 39 contracts and I would probably say about half of them just someone's family friend or someone saw me doing music therapy with their loved one and referred me to someone else. Um, Sometimes a lot of the organizations that are similar here, there's two long-term care facilities. They often talk to each other because the community is so small. So they'll talk to each other and say, hey, we got this new program running and it's going really good. You should check it out. So a lot of it is word of mouth. So 39 contracts. Yes. (laughs) How many contact hours with the clients do you have every week? Um, It varies, totally varies week to week. So some contracts happen monthly. Some of them happen, um, like my palliative contracts will happen just as the clients come up. Um, So those are infrequent. Some of the contracts are every single week. Some are biweekly. So it totally varies. I would say right now I range... 25 client hours a week. Wow. That's a lot of work. It is. Yeah. But I love it. And I love the clients that I see. And I feel like there's always room to grow. Yeah, for sure. But that is, that's a lot of time with clients on top of driving so much. (laughs) Exactly. And being a small business owner too. Yeah. That's a lot to balance. How, Mm -hmm. how are you finding balancing all the things? Do you have any advice for someone else who's doing all of this at once? Yeah, I would say start small and don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I've recently hired a subcontractor to work on my administrative side of things, which has really helped to lighten my load um, and given me the opportunity to expand in new ways and try new avenues that I haven't reached out to before. Um, So I'm really not afraid to ask for help. I have an accountant who I call very regularly (laughs) about questions. So it's good to have those open lines of communication that you can feel comfortable having those hard conversations. What are some of the things you've been able to branch out to more recently? Mm, Yeah. So um, recently I've been doing a lot of work in schools. So the more schools that I work at, the more opportunities I have with one-on-one clients as well. They see the benefits in the classroom. So that's been really huge. I've started to work, I think I'm at like seven or eight schools now. So yeah. it's really good to see that the the teachers and the EAs are seeing the benefits and then telling the parents about it and saying, this is what we can work on at home. Um, these are some opportunities that your child can partake in to grow. That's so beautiful. Mm. What about asking for help as far as supervision or your own personal therapy? What's your experience with that? Yeah. So in my internship, I learned the importance of supervision and ongoing supervision. Um, And I think it's important, but not only important, I think it's essential as a music therapist to have supervision. Um, We're always encountering new things. 
That could be a new diagnosis or a new business relationship, could be ethical dilemmas, can be really anything. Um, so in order to provide, to provide the best music therapy for our clients, we have to ensure that we're always providing our best practice. So supervisors can help to bring that new lens to our work. They encourage us and support us, but they also bring valued insight and ideas for situations that we're unsure of. I think supervisors bring so much to our practice. And then in conjunction with supervision of our business and our clients um, is personal therapy. And I think it's so important as well. I think it's also essential. <laughs> um, our jobs can be so, so challenging, um, especially for other people to understand um, I have a little thing here. People often say, how was your day? And it can be hard to give an answer like, it was a good day because a good day doesn't necessarily mean good things happened. People are expressing themselves and we're supporting them, but those experiences can be really challenging for someone. So maybe the experience was very emotional or they expressed through anger and that that maybe just means that they're they're growing and they're learning. So that can be super huge, but does that mean it was a good day? So it sometimes can be hard to explain to other people. Um, personal therapy can provide an opportunity to learn more about self-care, what avenues work best for you. They can also help to acknowledge and understand instances of transference and counter-transference. They can also assist to bring clarity to your practice. Um, they can provide support and validation for your work. And I think they do so much more too. Um, but the great thing about personal therapy is that it can be whatever you want it to be. Similar to music therapy, we design goals with our clients. In discussion with the client and their family or the organization um, and their circle of care, we bring forth ideas for their situation and they come with ideas as well. Together, we provide some goals. So they provide an objective lens and they help to design these goals that we can work towards. And I think that's the same with personal therapy. Yeah, well said. I really like your example of describing how your day was because you're mm. totally right that um, expression is happening in our sessions. Yeah. And even if it's something that needs to be expressed, like anger, it might not feel good to us, mm -hmm. you know, because that could be anger towards us. It could be breaking an instrument. It could be whatever. Uh, I was at a conference and the person presenting said they had a client who was young and at the end of the session, everything had gone really well. And at the end of the session, he just got up and stepped on her guitar and like broke it into a million pieces. And obviously that's not what you would think of as a good day. But up until that point, that client had always sabotaged his close personal relationships. Mm. So this was an indication for her that their relationship was getting stronger. He was trying to sabotage it. And it was her opportunity to show him that not all close relationships need mm. to end badly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think in our sessions, when people are expressing themselves in a way that's perhaps anger or sadness or crying. It can look like a lot of different things. And from an outsider's perspective, sadness maybe constitutes a bad day. But for us, maybe that sadness is them expressing something that they haven't thought about in a long time. Or maybe that's um, them growing through a situation and learning so much more. 
maybe that's them finally having the opportunity to feel safe can be a lot of different things. And to me, that's growth. But does that mean good? I don't know. (laughs) Have you found any better language to use with your now Mm. husband or whoever's asking instead of saying it was a good day or it was a bad day? How's How's another way you express what the day was like? Yeah, so we have a few different things that we've tried to for me to express how my day was. Um, some funny things is like I might write on on a little whiteboard like a star means I'm feeling great, let's hang out, and maybe a, a heart means I need a little bit of space right now, but I'll tell you when I'm ready. Um, but we've learned over time how to express that effectively. And I can just say something as simple as I just need a few minutes or I think I need an hour and and when I'm ready, I'll, I'll be back. So it's kind of nice. He's so understanding, which makes it so much easier. Yeah, I remember, I don't know if it was a podcast or a book, and the person was talking about at the end of the day, instead of coming home and verbally expressing what you experienced, doing it in a physical way. So if it was, you know, I don't want to say a bad day, but if it was a, a rough day, you're, you know, you're throwing couch pillows and you're, <laughs> you're yelling non-intelligible words, or if it was a good day, you're dancing like a ballerina and, you know, just like showing your partner in a mm. different way what you experienced that day, because we are such emotional beings and language Mm -hmm. doesn't always get it all exactly I think that's totally true Um, and I think finding that unique balance in whoever it is that you're with even that's going to a family member's house um, after work or whatever it is I think it's important that you find a way that's effective with your relationship to express how you are doing um, and how they can best support you depending on how your day was yeah for sure Do you have anything you want to add to any of those topics before we move into rapid fire? Um, I don't think so. I think I'm feeling pretty good. (laughs) Awesome. You have a lot of information to share with the listeners. And I know, especially some of the other young entrepreneurs, (laughs) I can speak really well. Young entrepreneurs will really appreciate hearing your insight and knowing Mm. You know, you know, other people go through these things or have gone through these things, but it's so different hearing it in real time. Yeah. And I think I've learned so much from the people who've gone before me and been successful in their businesses that I feel like they've taught me so much. And that's why I have something to to bring to a conversation. Yeah. Do you have any resources you want to share first with uh, things that you've pulled from in your journey or groups, social media accounts, anything, Mm -hmm. any resources you've used? Sure. Um, one of my favorite YouTubers is a teacher and her handle is five foot one teacher. Um, she is incredible. She shares so much about her personal story, which is amazing, but, um, she also shares really good interventions and, um, tools that you can find for cheap that that you can use in your sessions. She's shown me this really cool like microphone that you can use. So I have that now. It doesn't need to plug in or anything. It's just battery powered. Um, and it's it's such a good tool. We use it for sharing around the room. People use it for solos. You can use it for anything. <laughs> um, but she shares really good resources. Awesome. I will link that below. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So to get us started, coffee mm-hmm. or tea? Coffee always. like all day or just that's the only option oh 
Well, I like tea too, but I just love, love, love coffee. (laughs) Early bird or night owl? I'm an early bird. This morning with the time change, I was up an extra two hours early. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate to that too. Yeah. It was nice that it was lighter early in the morning though. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Something you would tell your younger self. Mm. Be strong. Be confident. You are so much... You're worth so much more than you think you are, and you have something to contribute to this world. Oh, so beautiful. (laughs) Your music therapy elevator speech. Mm, um, I always say music therapy is using music to achieve non-musical goals. So, and then I usually explain non-musical goals can be cognitive goals, social goals, physical goals, spiritual goals. Anything someone wants to work towards. You probably have to do that a lot since you're pitching so often. (laughs) Yes, almost every day. (laughs) And the guitar is like a target. People, you know, automatically need to talk to you because you're the person with the guitar. Exactly. (laughs) Your favorite self-care practice. Mm, um, We live really close to the ocean and a lot of beaches. So I love going what I call beaching, which is basically just going for long walks on the beach. I mean, our tides change very frequently here. So sometimes the beach is non-existent, just water. <laughs> but I love going to the beach. Do you do that in the winter too? I do. Yeah, my puppy loves it. <laughs> so in Canada, where I am in New Hampshire, um, mm. which is where New Hampshire borders Canada. I don't know if you know that. Yes. But, yes. So where I am, dogs are only allowed on the beaches between, say, October 1st and May 1st. They're only allowed on the beaches in the winter. So you're giving me a face. So I guess that's not the way it is where you are. <laughs> no, we bring our dogs everywhere all the time. <laughs> I wish that's how it was. <laughs> Something that is currently adding value to your life. Um, I live pretty far away from my immediate family, but I recently got married. So um, my husband's family, as well as my family, but having people close by um, has really been adding so much value. How far is that? I'm not super familiar with um, Mm. that. Yeah, so it's for my family, it's about a 15 hour drive. Wow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a little far, (laughs) Um, but it could be like a two and a half hour flight. So it's not too bad, and I'm used to the drive. I've done it so many times. <laughs> wow, that's, that's like a two- or three-day trip. Yeah, so um, sometimes I would do it in one day, just to, like right in the morning, go straight through to the night, but usually I break it up into two days, seven hours one day, seven hours the next. Yeah, that's more yeah. manageable for my brain and body for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Mm. So I I came with a few ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I came with two tools and then an intervention that I use. So the first tool is these answer buzzers, um, which you can get on Amazon. And a lot of teachers actually use them. So basically you press it. I'm going to press it here. So you can record something on it. So what I often do is I'll – I have two. It comes in a pack of four. And you can press them, um, and they'll make a sound or a song, whatever you're working towards. It could be a color. Um, And then the clients can choose. So if they're nonverbal, then they still get to make a choice, which is huge, that they have a say in what they're participating in. 
So these have been very effective. I also use them when I'm doing games, teams, team games. They love it. They get to press a button. It's like they're on Family Feud. They just <laughs> think it's the best. Um, and they come up with team names, and then they can record it themselves. So they love these. Um, I also have been using dry erase index cards. So I've been trying to become a little more environmentally friendly with my practice. Instead of using paper all the time everywhere, <laughs> I try to use dry erase so that we can reuse them as many times as we want. So I got a pack of just small dry erase cards from Amazon, probably for like $10, $9.99, and um, just a bunch of dry erase markers. So I'll use them for a lot of different things. If we're doing songwriting, it's really easy to write the songs down. Um, if they're learning an instrument, it can be really helpful for jotting down what a chord looks like. Um, we might use them for games sometimes. We can use them for a lot of different things, but I found those to be super helpful and easy to take around too. Yeah, and as the, opposed to having like the full-size in, index cards, full-size <laughs> boards. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then the intervention that I have, I'm just going to hold it and then it'll make a little more sense to explain. <laughs> so, um, it's a wheel of fortune. Ooh, you have lots yeah. of cool props. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so the wheel of fortune, basically it's a rotating tray or what some people would call a lazy Susan. So I just got it at the thrift store and the center part doesn't move. And there's a sticker on the middle that says wheel of fortune with a little spongy arrow <laughs> that points to whatever they're going to land on. And then you give it a spin and there's points from 100 all the way to 500. And then one of them is a wild. So each topic is for something different. So 100, name that tune, 200, guess the artist, 400, um, do a dance move, can be <laughs> just funny things. Um, I use these a lot for group cohesion. Um, if we're trying to work on healthy relationship building among youth or among group members, this is a really good way for people to work in teams um, to express themselves and make sure everyone's voice in the group is being heard, but also provides great cognitive stimulation as well and encourages people to play instruments. Um, I've just found it to be so much fun. People love it when I bring in a special game. <laughs> so yeah, I love this one. Awesome. Yeah, games are very motivating, especially for the the youths. <laughs> exactly. Very motivating. <laughs> it keeps them interested. <laughs> awesome. I love those ideas. And I'll, mm -hmm. I'll link the stuff in the show notes for awesome. um, everyone listening. Mm, perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. So lastly, where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's Mountain Music Therapy um, or Facebook. You can either search Between the Mountains Music Therapy or um, facebook.com forward slash Mountain Music Therapy. Um, and my website is www.betweenthemountainsmusictherapy.com. <laughs> what mountains are you between? Um, the North Mountain and the South Mountain. But I actually, I think it's kind of funny because I work beyond the mountains. So now people say, beyond the mountain music. <laughs> <laughs> Too cute. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for making the time to talk with me today mm -hmm. and share all of your knowledge, the resources you have and ideas for people who are going through the young entrepreneurial life. Hmm, it's been really incredible to chat with you and I'm looking forward to connecting with so many new people. Yeah, awesome. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your extra hour of awake time since you yeah, woke up early. Thank you. you as well. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
has so much energy and it was wonderful to talk with her and hear all the things she has learned along the way of starting her business and her interview tips and ideas were absolutely phenomenal. So if you are like her going through the process of trying to get some contracts, I hope that you learned a lot from that and will take some of those ideas into your own interviews. If you are enjoying the podcast and looking for a way to support us, please consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. Over there, I am offering the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. So when I reach out to a guest, I will post it on Patreon. And if you have questions for that person, you can put them over there and I'll ask them in the interview. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, or there's someone you think we should reach out to, please send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. I'd also love to hear some feedback from people on what they think of the show from different people I've either known in my personal life, other professionals I know who have listened. They've given me some ideas, some guidance in what they would like to hear more, less, different ways of questions I should ask, things like that. Any feedback is appreciated. This show is for you guys, the listeners. So if there are more things you want to hear, more questions you want me to ask, people you want me to reach out to, please send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com and that'll go straight to me. So I look forward to hearing from you, the listeners. Thank you again so much for tuning into this week's episode and I'll see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.